Hello, and welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. I am your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your other host, Soli Hommel. And we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of October, like we do every year. But for the first time this year, we're going to do it entirely in audio format. We like to mix it up every year. One thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews. So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's going to be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin. Charlie Charlie is a 2016 movie with a runtime of 85 minutes. We watched it on Hulu, and it was not rated. IMDb gives it a 2.4. Awesome. Which is, yeah, that's pretty, that's the lowest one we've seen by far. And uh, on Rotten Tomato, no critics have reviewed it, but the Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it an actual zero. Not that there are no scores, but there are... How, 24 reviews. 24 reviews, and all of them were bad. I think half star was the highest that was the highest i saw that they got yeah so um obviously this is a high quality movie and uh we had high hopes for it right yeah if you'd like to judge the quality for yourself um there were too many favorite lines to count so we're just gonna pepper them throughout the review starting with this one now there's dead bodies all over my haunted house now So as you can tell from that amazing bit of acting, uh, this movie is about a haunted house. It's a failing haunted house, and our owner, the ringmaster, Gene. Gene the ringmaster. Gene the ringmaster has invited some local teens in for an after-hours haunted house experience. They start to play a game called the Charlie Charlie game. (gasps) No. Yes, they do. And things go horribly awry. Yeah, that happens. It was a really good, a smooth marketing move. He used the fat pen instead of the right. skinny pen. a Sharpie. To uh, write up his notebook paper flyer that he sent out. His misspelled, misspelled notebook paper flyer. flyer. Mm-hmm. He, his single misspelled yeah. notebook paper <laughs> Which flyer. somehow got into the hands of these kids and they brought it in to enter the exciting challenge. Oh my... They, the way he's talked introducing them and he had echo for some reason sometimes wow it was pretty awesome jim carrey yes so gene the ringmaster channeled so many different very recognizable actors throughout the course of this movie (laughs) at one point he was very much jim carrey in the mask Mm -hmm. extremely Um, earlier toward the beginning he was very much Jack Torrance from The Shining, um, you know, kind of doing a, like, here's Johnny sort of yeah. thing. Um, and then later, he does this kind of flaily, muppety thing that sounded exactly like <laughs> yeah. Animal. It looked like it. That was the yes. best. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. He sounded like these characters, but then he also sort of looked like them, like like they were coming through him. Yes, he was, was an artist. In yes. fact, he's kind of a cartoon. I'm telling you, I found his body in the meat locker room. He's dead, I tell you. D-E-D, dead. 
not only does he sound like a cartoon, but he acts like a cartoon. Yeah. Like, he stores everything in his top hat. <laughs> I forgot about like, that. Like, pens, the contract, or the, uh, what, the liability waivers he yeah. made them sign. Multiple cell phones. Multiple cell phones, <laughs> and they're just all in his hat yeah. all the time. And then he took off his hat and had to dig around to find him in there. They didn't just fall out when he took it off his head. Oh, no, his hat is like a Mary Poppins bag. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty interesting. So the movie opens on a shot of a piece of paper that's divided into four squares, four quadrants, that say yes and yes diagonally and no, no diagonally. And there's some pencils on it and it is clearly some kind of game. The pencils are like balanced carefully as we watch. And then a very valley girl voice says... Okay, now what? I think that is a really dramatic opening. It really sets the stage. It does. And the whole the whole first scene <laughs> is pretty um, stage setting in the sense that it establishes that this movie is going to be ridiculous. Also amazing. Also populated with a bunch of people who are playing characters who are about a decade, possibly more younger than they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so they start out, we start out by seeing these three sorority girls play the Charlie Charlie game and be, be like, destroyed by it, right? Like, two of the girls are completely, horrifically murdered. Very fast. Uh, super fast. Like, Charlie doesn't even chit-chat with them <laughs> or anything. He just immediately chokes the one girl to death. Yeah. And then the other ones, horrible things happen to her. Blood comes out of wounds that we never actually see. No. Just the blood. It's just blood. And the third girl, uh, Ryder is her name? Yeah. Survives. Mm-hmm. She comes back later in the movie. Yeah, that's exciting. That's yes. a, It's a real connection. So it's sort of a prologue to the whole thing because then yeah. then um, our, our ringmaster Gene buddy decides to use the whole Charlie Charlie thing that's in the news to advertise his, uh, his uh, house of horrors that nobody wants to go to. Yeah, which is interesting that literally no one shows up which is a fun scene one of my favorite things there in the background you can't take your eyes off of the guy practicing shovel foo in the background of the shot the entire time yes and like it was carefully lined up that way too like like the left half of the screen is the conversation you're supposed to be paying attention to (laughs) and in the background on the whole right half of the screen is the guy just back there doing all his shovel moves (laughs) we did see what I believe to be my favorite character during that scene, actually. Oh, yeah, this one. Well, hey, wait, you said I can't, uh, I should keep my mouth shut if I'm not selling tickets. Can I, what do I, I don't. Literally everything the ticket taker girl said was full, like just dripping <laughs> with snark. And yeah. she was like the most real character in the whole movie. <laughs> that That's another thing. I, I only noticed this when I went back looking for clips. I forgot about it. There's a guy she's flirting with when Gene shows up who's never seen again in the entire movie. Gene <laughs> grabs his hat, throws it away, and he goes looking for the hat and he's gone. <laughs> that's it. Well, we don't ever see her again either because well, she's not a part of the after hours thing, apparently. Ringmaster Gene is interesting to me in that he is by far the most overacting character in a movie full of overacting like almost slapstick characters but his overacting 
almost elevates the movie a oh, little I, bit. I think it definitely elevates the movie a lot. It's weird because he manages to do it in a way where it's very obvious that he's doing it intentionally, mm-hmm. where the others kind of just come across as terrible actors. Yeah. And I think he comes across as someone who might actually be a good actor, who is intentionally acting like a bad actor. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely got some talent. There's one thing, though, is that throughout the whole movie, he and everybody else, I guess, act like they're in a high school play where he'll, he won't face the person he's talking to. He faces out towards the audience and like the guy standing next to him talking to his shoulder. And he's like, ah, but I see what you are telling me. Yes. The whole thing was blocked. (laughs) Like they had to respect the the, the invisible fourth wall between (laughs) them and the, the auditorium that they're speaking to. (laughs) Maybe that's where they filmed it. I don't know. It, It was, it was interesting. So let's talk a little bit about these teenagers who came to experience the haunted house. Yes. Who who do we have? I, I feel like it all centers around Sarah, who wears very nice shoes. Fine. But can we go inside? These are real designer shoes, and I try not to wear them on concrete. Try not to wear them on concrete. Duh. They're real designer shoes. I mean, duh, Ringmaster Jean. <laughs> Right. You would not wear designer shoes on concrete. So, yeah. So there's Sarah, who is is dressed to the nines for going to this... Uh, she's dressed like she's going to the prom. Yeah. To go to this haunted house. There's her boyfriend, whose name happens to be <gasps> Charlie, Charlie. Interestingly enough. Twist. And then a friend of theirs... I called him little bro because he sort of seemed like he didn't quite belong there and he was just hanging yeah. on like like he really had a crush on Sarah but wouldn't move in because Sarah's boyfriend is like kind of a scary skinhead looking guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, but there's also another guy in that role, Skeeter, whose name mm. was Skeeter of all things, who obviously occupied the science nerd role. Oh, that's right. Time dilation, which we all know is the cause of gravity, would keep the gravitational mass centered causing the friction of the two pencils to balance out. Any minimal force, such as a breeze or the mere breath of a subject, could easily move the pencils. I'm just saying. And he, by the way, only just says that one time in the movie. Nothing else he says for the rest of the movie is smart in any way. No. Not not that that was smart. That was incredibly dumb, but it was fancy words. Right. No, in fact, all of the other things he says border on him having the IQ of like a a, a three-year-old. Like he's (laughs) constantly shocked. At everything that happened. The best was when, oh, when the ringmaster pulled out the pencils and they're like, oh, they've got the pencils. And he made that face. Yes, he makes like this this face of childlike wonder. It's the face a three-year-old makes when you pull out a pair of pencils. Yeah. So so there was uh, Skeeter. Then there was their friend Gina, who spent the entire movie staring at her cell phone. Which was great. And she was able to do this despite the fact (laughs) that Ringmaster Jean took away their cell phones and put them in his hat because she carries an extra cell phone at all times. Obviously, which she doesn't quite keep charged, unfortunately. But luckily, after the point where she says the battery's about to die, she then continues to keep using it for the rest of the movie anyway. She was also able to continue using it for texting and scrolling and all kinds Uh of nonsense. 
long after she pointed out that there was no reception. Yeah, it's that's a great backup phone. That's the one you want as a backup. For sure. For sure. Even during that no reception, no battery time, she was able to text with some guy who suddenly became her boyfriend. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, put the phone away. You're ruining the ambiance. Uh, like, no. I'm calling my boyfriend. You don't have a boyfriend. We literally started going out like a second ago. He just texted me now. And I said yes. <laughs> okay, so those are the, the teenagers who are there yeah, to experience the haunted house. And then we have the cast and crew of our haunted house, which I kind of feel like are almost named after the members of KISS. I'm not sure. Gene is the ringmaster. And then we have Jerry, the, who is dressed as a... Uh, terrifying clown. And not some fat clown in his 40s. I'm 39, Gene. We have Paul, or Polly, who is the shovel foo guy. Right. Who kind of is wearing a um, butcher's apron, yeah. blood all over him He's and just stuff. a surly guy. That's not our problem. It's yours! And then we have Stanley who is a stoner who ends up getting to dress up as Charlie Charlie, who, when he heard it was a Mexican ghost, he decided he should wear a sombrero and a serape and oh, one of those big mustaches. Yes, yes. Yeah. And Gene did not love this idea. And then, like, my, but my makeup is pretty scary, right? It's like uh, scary ghost makeup. No, you, you know? look like a sugar-powdered jalapeno. But... I think it turned out great. Yeah, it's not bad. Oh my god, there were so many lines that Stanley's character said so many. that I loved. Okay, so one of the points when he was still alive, he <laughs> spoilers. Like, <laughs> spoilers. Like he he was walking around and he was super stoned and he like looks at his right hand or his one of his hands and there's a half-eaten burrito in it and he's like <laughs> Cool. Like, he's so excited to find this, like, surprise burrito in his hand, half-eaten. Yeah. So, and then there's the point when Ringmaster Gene is surrounded by all of the dead cast members, and he turns to Stanley, the, the ghost of Stanley, and says, Are you guys here to kill me? Oh, oh no. <laughs> At which point he pauses to take a bite of the surprise burrito and then he probably will though and then there is one other employee actually there are two other employees you might not even know this but there's one other employee who we see a couple of times throughout the movie he's a guy dressed up as like a magician but he has these weird puffy wings on his hat i don't know what those are i don't know why he fits in a haunted house at all he's just sitting there playing cards on a table and every so often throughout the movie, it'll cut back to him and he'll look up like he hears something weird going on. And then that's it. He, he has zero lines. So. And he never gets up from his no. chair. He's just sitting there. For days. Oblivious that's, for the whole time. That's at least two days he's there. And there is a guy standing next to him dressed as a vampire, I think, that Polly hits with the shovel when he's doing his shovel foo. Oh, wait, wasn't that the guy that the ticket taking girl was flirting with? Was it? I think so. I don't know. It requires repeat viewings. There's a lot to get out of this movie. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's kind of a Shyamalan movie. <laughs> so many twists and turns. Yeah, it's amazing. So speaking of twists, um, Ryder shows up out of the blue. Yes. To help them with this issue. Like, I don't know how she knows that they're having a problem with Charlie. Yeah, she like found out about the event. 
the challenge. Somehow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah so she shows up. That was one of the surprises. Because it turns out Gene is actually really good at PR. He got the word out, like, instantly with his piece of notebook paper. With his one flyer. Yeah. I love when Ryder is there and she tells them all, you know, we've got to go and stop the game. That's how you make it stop. Because apparently we never saw this, but... When this happened to her, what she did was go back to the game and tell Charlie Charlie to stop killing her. And right, he to did. ask him to end the game. So yeah. that works. So they're in some room somewhere, and she tells them that. And they're like, okay, let's get back to the game so we can do that. And then the next scene, they're walking through a hall in the haunted house, kind of casually, slowly checking out the exhibits, which was a head in a fish tank. Kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But they were just checking it out and having a discussion. I'm like maybe you could step this up a little bit. Considering how often they were like running pell-mell through other parts of the haunted (laughs) house, like it did stand out a little bit. Did you have any connections to this movie? Yes, I had a huge connection to this movie, Solange. Excellent. I can't wait to hear it. I'll let you hear it right now. You might think that that lovely little clip comes straight out of this movie. It doesn't? No, it doesn't. And here's why. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) this movie features some of the same songs you can hear in Hamumu games because they used the same royalty-free music site that I did. And in fact, it's shown in their credits, which I loved. And this song in particular, um, you can hear if you play as the witch in my game Costume Party. And it was featured prominently in this movie. It was very exciting to hear. It was fun. You even recognized it during a scene when it was being played all like slow and warped. Because I remember you were like, wait, what is the? We have to come back and listen to this later. Yeah, I was I was wondering, like when I heard that, I'm like, is this, you know, like a classic carnival tune that they just happen to have their own version of? But no, it's my version. (laughs) It was very awesome. That's fun. Okay, so overall, we have been praising this movie. Oscar material, obviously. It's incredible. But there were parts early on where Ringmaster Gene would be, like, talking to someone. And he'd have a little conversation with them. And the way they interacted was so far removed from reality that I literally couldn't understand what they were doing. Like, he'd say something. He'd be like, boy, I bet that's real neat. Or whatever he said. And the person responding would be like, what? And then he'd be, he'd be like, huh? In response to their what? And be like, I don't get the subtext of what you're doing right now. Like, this is nonsense. And that is my theory of, about movies for today, is that when the writing, directing, and acting all combine into completely horrible, what you can do is you can reach a point where people can't even understand what's happening because it's not human behavior anymore. Yeah, this kind of dipped into that territory many times over. Yeah, but mostly it was pretty fun. It was. Um, So I had, like, to get a sort of serious, an actual, like, review a little bit here. So I had a connection, not so much a personal connection, but a a movie-to-movie connection. Ooh, okay. Um, So Charlie, the, the boyfriend... Uh, from the teen group, who I I called the skinhead with the heart of gold because he yes. was he looked like someone who would walk around in dark alleys beating people with like 
tire irons, right? Like, yeah. he looked scary. But everything he said was, like, super sweet or super reasonable. It was, like, or overly nice. Yes. So what I realized was that Charlie, the skinhead, is was the good character that I wanted Amanda from the Levenger tapes to be. Oh. But she was so not it that she became annoying. Like, <laughs> like she kept portraying this, I am lawful good, but she really wasn't. And her actions kind of belied uh, what her dialogue was She took care of that saying. dress, Sully. And that was it. <laughs> but Charlie never actually says he's a good guy. In fact, kind of goes out of his way to not be a good guy. Except that everything he does is really caring and supportive of everybody it's around really him. It's really kind of funny. I it wish we had gotten clips of that, but we have we've played enough clips. I think. I, I feel yeah yeah. So anyway, that was my connection was that um, Charlie makes a much better good guy than Amanda. Okay, that's fair. The other guy, little bro, who was sitting next to him was I I don't know what to say. He was fascinating to me. How so? The weird way he would talk. I guess. I guess the thing is, he was just a really bad actor. <laughs> because yeah. he would just kind of mumble out some lines like, uh, I think the board would like it better if you would do it more serious, like, because then it would take you more serious. <laughs> Actually, I think that might have been a clip from the movie. I'm not sure whether that was me talking <laughs> or the movie. Yeah, he was like that quintessential, like, like little brother who's tagging along and just yeah. kind of always making the really annoying points and saying the really obnoxious things. And he gave snooty Sarah his jacket at one point yeah. when she was cold. And she was annoyed by that. She was so offended by it, <laughs> which was funny. One thing we haven't even mentioned, the bad guy in this movie, Charlie Charlie, who is a glowing bit of light. That's... Yeah, That's he's it. he's like the like the Tinkerbell of yeah possessing demons. Yeah, basically, uh, aside from Tinkerbell herself. Um, <laughs> he what I found so interesting about it was whenever we saw him, that's really what we would see is just like this little glow of light kind of zipping around the screen, and that's it. Or we would see nothing yeah. because we were seeing it from Charlie Charlie Cam. <laughs> we saw that a lot, and it was you know kind of this warped kind of purpley view. <laughs> Of whoever he was chasing, looking absolutely horrified. That is where I was going. These people would see a little glow in the air, and they would turn and run screaming. Like, this was the worst thing they'd ever seen in their lives. Oh, yeah. It was like backing away so frantically you fall over kind of fear. It only just now occurred to me that that's because of how they made the movie. They were like, the monster's coming at you. Run away from it. And then later they put the movie together and they're like, well, it'd be hard to make a CGI monster. Let's just wave some light around. Just put a little sparkle in the air. Yeah. And that that sparkle would happen too. Like the game would start and then there would be like a little flash of light into one of the people sitting nearby. Yeah. Apparently randomly. And then that person would kind of have a a really healthy glow to them (laughs) to indicate that they were now possessed by Charlie. Yeah. Charlie's really good for your skin. Absolutely. I feel like Ryder could use a little Charlie then because her skin looked terrible. You had a real problem with her makeup. Uh, It wasn't in the beginning, but once she showed up at the haunted house, her makeup was super splotchy, like weirdly orange in in, like chunks all over her face. It looked like she had either had a bad run in with some some like fake spray tan or maybe her liver is completely failing. It's possible. She's been through a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I recall one of my favorite lines from our viewing of the movie was when you said that her eyebrows were the best actors in the movie. Oh, they were <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Like triangles of eyebrowy goodness. <laughs> they sure were. Yeah, but this movie, I mean, it features kind of classic elements like um, there was the 50s sci-fi noise at some point. I don't know why, but it was, you know, and like, where'd that come from? It just, they decided that at this point it's going to make that noise, but never else throughout the movie. And then other classics like the age old dilemma of burrito versus survival when it's on the floor in front of him and he's like, the ghost or the burrito? Do I risk it? What do I do? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty tense. Yeah. So you mentioned the sound and that's one of the very first things that I noticed because I was paying attention to first shot, first line. Yeah. And and even the um, subtitles agreed with me. The music that was playing from the very beginning was described in the subtitles as whimsical. <laughs> and that's kind yeah. of, it was like that the whole time. Yeah, it there was. was like whimsical music playing through the whole thing. And even when it was trying to be scary, it was, it was cute scary. It was uh-huh. like, it was like a Disney style. <laughs> A horror Except film. when it was a little pornographic. Other than that, though, yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. Because we haven't mentioned the totally extraneous couple in the car outside that were doing inappropriate things and acting really badly. It was almost like they had been put in the car separately. Like, they each ran through their lines on their <laughs> own, and then they, like, CGI'd them together, which is not what happened. No, but they couldn't afford that. No. But they sounded like they were saying their lines to nobody. (laughs) Some really funny stuff, though. Unintentionally, but very funny. Yes. The craziest part about that is that it literally has nothing to do with the rest of the story, except for a single moment when they're driving away and the people inside are wishing, like not wanting them to drive away because they want to be rescued. Yeah, which they could have just not done they could have just said oh gee wish we could open this door but we can't right right they didn't need anyone outside to affect that speaking of the sound effects though throughout this entire movie there was this huge mega bass buzz like it was rocking our speakers and it was going i don't know what it was like it was just way lower than anything else we've ever watched well and i think that was charlie like anytime charlie was on the scene like there was that noise but yeah it was just weirdly distracting it wasn't really scary at all which again sound you're you're reminding me of the thesis here yes the whimsicalness this movie is a comedy it's horror comedy It definitely tries to be funny and succeeds a little bit. You know, it's the kind of thing where mostly you're laughing at how bad it is, but some of the jokes are also kind of funny. Yeah. It was like Alice in Wonderland horror. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, everything was a little off. Nothing quite matched what reality would be, but not in a way that really made sense most of the time. Yeah, I would agree. It did not make sense. Okay, sorry. You were saying? It's also a parody of horror movies. Like, it, it intentionally does things, you know, plays with tropes to mock them, which is fun. But also, it's a bad horror movie at the same time. And I know I reviewed... Thanks Killing in a previous year, mm. which was the same idea. Definitely a parody of horror movies trying to be funny. That movie was terrible. I did not like it. I don't know what rating I gave it. 
Um, I could look it up, but it'll take too long. So it was bad. And this I really enjoyed. So it's funny because I'm not sure of exactly what the difference is. That one was just like crass, dumb humor, whereas this was PG humor. Like it was trying to be silly instead of being hurtful and nasty. Mm-hmm. And when the silly fails, it's funny. When the hurtful and nasty fails, it's like, why were you doing that? Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. Yeah, that's I, I like that uh, perspective on it. I agree. Okay, so is there anything else that you want to cover before we start our ratings? I would like to cover the amazing twist to the movie. Um, Some people might not even catch this. It's psychological. It's heavy. It's hard-hitting. It is the fact that one of the characters is named Charlie. Yes. And so what happens several times throughout the movie, and I don't know if they actually did anything with it, is someone, notably Sarah at least twice, would say, Charlie! And then pause because he didn't respond. And then she'd see him and say, oh, she said, Charlie, can you not leave me? And that's when she died. So right then she said, Charlie, Charlie, can you not leave me? And he killed her. So Uh interesting there. And I think they were doing something with that. And that's why they had a character named Charlie, which was otherwise very confusing. And then, of course, this is used to great effect in the dramatic finale, which I don't think I should spoil for anyone here. It's incredible. (laughs) mind-blowing final sequence involving pencils and the fact that his name is charlie and someone wants to talk to him yes 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 i think we should just leave it at that yeah because you should see this movie the experience would be lesser if i talked about it (laughs) if you talked about the last 12 seconds of the movie i don't think it's 12 (laughs) seconds might be three or four seconds Um, okay, so you say they should see this movie. Do you actually feel that way? I do. In fact, uh, just today we were going through grabbing the clips we needed for the sounds to play back some fun parts of it. And it just, it made me want to see it again. It was so much fun. It's ridiculous. I mean, listeners, did you hear Stanley talking about his white face makeup? That was just one little bit of an entire routine from Stanley. It goes on, and there's so much gene in this movie. You, it's all the gene you need for your whole life. It's the stuff of legends, except for new. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is, too. It's it's Jim Carrey in the mask, except for new. Indeed. So, how would you rate this then? I happen to agree with you that people should watch this movie. I think it hits that sweet spot of just stupid enough to be funny. And like, I liked the jokes that they intentionally made. I liked the jokes that they made that failed because they failed in such an entertaining way. I think you described it beautifully. And I also want to watch this movie over again already, (laughs) which is great. It's going to be one of those movies that I make other people watch. You know, like how everyone we know has seen Scott Pilgrim because we're like, you have to see this movie. Yeah. Or everyone we know has seen uh, One Mississippi, you know. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things now where I'm going to be like, wait, you haven't (laughs) seen Charlie Charlie? Sit down. (laughs) So saying that, I don't feel like I can give it a five. 
because I really truly reserve five for horror movies that I think are actually excellent. Like oh, I think I, see. I think the excellence You're an elitist. Yes. Yes. Five <laughs> is an elitist score. In our patented out, out of five, five system, system, I reserve the five for elite movies, like that have all of the pieces working together. Yes. This has a few pieces missing. <laughs> But not yes, a whole lot. It does. Not. It's not working on all five cylinders. <laughs> yeah, all five of them. <laughs> so I am going to give this movie a 4.5 surprise burritos out of five. Wow. Because it's close to a five. That's, I liked it that much. That is an impressive score. Wow. Yeah. 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 And if it weren't for the fact that I feel like five has to be something truly special, I would give it a five. I think it's truly special. Are you giving it a five? I'm not. In fact, I'm kind of shocked at your (laughs) 4.5. But I am giving it four surprise burritos. Because this is a movie that should be seen by all. It should be required viewing in our schools, in our nation. And it's educational. It's informative. It's funny. It's terrifying. (laughs) That might be stretching it a little. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But... Maybe the next movie we, we review will be terrifying. Probably. I don't know. We've had terrible luck finding scary <laughs> movies this month. Well, whatever. I'm having fun. Me too. Okay. All right. We're going to catch everybody on the... Flippity floppity. Exactly. <laughs> but we're also, instead of our usual closing music, I just want to leave you guys with this. You have no idea what you've just done. Stopped you all from playing your evil little game because I refused to join your your pencil worshipping murder cult. <laughs>